Previously on Hound Radio's Arch Campbell podcast. Arch, I went to see a movie and during, I counted the previews, you know, AMC movies, there's 20 to 25 minutes worth of previews. Oh. Um, <laughs> so, so I, you know, every one of them was either a sequel based on mm. a video game or based on a comic book. Like Guardians of the Galaxy, that's going on and on and on. That's I where mean, we are. Funny movies, but. You know, I don't know. I like real movies. (laughs) The Arch Campbell podcast featuring Arch, Lou Katz, and a cast of thousands begins now. Well, that was uh, Cinema Lou, our dear friend, and Susan Wazena from our last podcast as we tried to make sense of what's at the movies, and we're still trying. Hello, everybody. I'm Arch Campbell, and this is the podcast that tries to keep you up with the ever-changing world of entertainment. Lou Katz is in the control room. Hello, Lou. Hello, Arch. Twisting the knobs, doing the best I can. You're directing and producing, (laughs) and we couldn't do it without you. And this week, uh, I am so happy to welcome back Jen Chaney, uh, whom we love talking to, of Vulture and New York Magazine, and now co-host of the terrific podcast, Basic. And welcome, Jen. Thank you, Arch. It's great to be here. Yeah. I'm really enjoying your podcast and uh, basic, and uh, you talk to people who uh, got their uh, fame uh, in the early days of cable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're actually uh, we're going to be going on a, a little hiatus, but something very exciting happened recently, which is we had a guest come to us and want oh. to be on the podcast. <laughs> Whoa. That. And that guest was John Mulaney, and that episode will drop next week. Um, so oh. I'm excited about that one. Wow. John Mulaney, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. I know. Guy. I'm like, what? <laughs> and he sought you out. He listens to the thing. If I'd known John Mulaney was going to listen, I would have stepped up my game more. <laughs> <laughs> this whole time, John Mulaney was listening? <laughs> game is very step up. And we are hearing our other longtime friend, WTOP's entertainment editor and reporter, Jason Fraley. Yes, sir. And Jason, since we're handing out plugs, <laughs> you just interviewed George Stevens Jr. on your podcast, Beyond the Fame, and I'm sure that was a lot of fun. George has a new memoir, right? Yeah, it's called, I have it right here, My Place in yeah. the Sun, Life in oh, the Golden of Age course. of Hollywood in Washington. And it was it was one of those things where we 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 did like three back-to-back Zoom calls together because, oh, because, you know, by the time we got through, you know, his dad's movies, you know, Place in the Sun and Shane uh-huh. and Giant and all that, yeah. we were like, oh my gosh, we haven't even gotten to him founding the Kennedy Center Honors and the American Film Institute and influencing presidents and heads of state it, it it was it was incredible but um uh i don't know if we have as many listeners on my podcast as jen so if there are any basic listeners if john mulaney yeah, wants yeah. to see cars out that's cool too and if anyone wants to come on this please do <laughs> because john mulaney would fit right in yeah he would love it he would well here we go well let's start with jen cheney and jen what are you watching these days Well, I am in the process of writing a review of a new show called Mrs. Davis, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, which I just finished uh, all eight episodes last night. Um, I don't know if either of you guys have caught any of this or are familiar with it at all. Um, It's going to debut on Peacock. Um, By the time you hear this, it it will have dropped its first first four episodes. Um, It was created by Tara Hernandez, who worked on Big Bang Theory and Young Sheldon. 
and Damon Lindelof, who co-created Lost and Watchmen and The Leftovers. And Betty Gilpin stars in it as a nun who is living in a society that is controlled by, uh, quote, the algorithm. Um, everybody is sort of getting directives from this algorithm that tells them what to do. And she doesn't trust the algorithm, uh, but the algorithm wants her to find and destroy the Holy Grail. You are the only person on the planet who can fulfill this quest. You must locate the Holy Grail. Now, I, I, know, what? What? I know this description makes you go, huh? Because uh, that's what I said for like at least the first two episodes. I can't remember another time where I was so befuddled by something. And then by the end of it, I wanted to just like run through the streets with sparklers in my hands going, watch Mrs. Davis. <laughs> really? So really? Great. All yes. right. Yeah. Well, I'm kind of warming up to Peacock, uh, particularly after uh, that other uh, series. I've just blanked uh, the name of. of um, uh, Poker Face? Poker Face. I got to be a big fan of Poker Face. And so I'm kind of warming up to what they're doing. And they seem to be finding their their uh, their place. So yeah. it's wait, hang on. So it's an AI uh algorithm trying to find the holy grail. Did I hear no, that right? Betty Betty needs right. to find it. She plays Betty. a character named Simone. Um, yes, it, it like it jumps through time, it jumps through genres. It's so freaking funny at times. Like okay. I was I was watching the finale last night, just howling and wishing I had someone to talk to about it. I'm imagining Siri being like a Siri voice saying, <laughs> right. You have chosen wisely. <laughs> well, I right, remember on Barry, you know, when the actress's uh, show was canceled because of the algorithm. <laughs> In Barry, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, they've taken that where it belongs. Uh, <laughs> Mrs. Davis on Peacock. Uh, what else? Um, a few other shows. I don't know if either of you guys watch Yellow Jackets, um, which is in its second season now on Showtime. This is the show about uh, a girls soccer team, high school soccer team crash lands yeah. in 1996, and they have to live in the Canadian wilderness for 18 months, may or may not be eating each other at times, but it's also <laughs> on another timeline watching the women who survived as adults and how they're dealing with the after effects of what they experienced. You're a murderer. No, 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 no. You, mm, I mean... She, yes. It's unfortunate that it's on opposite succession this season um, because I feel like succession is sucking all the conversation air up and, and people aren't talking as much about Yellow Jackets, but it does drop on Fridays um, on streaming so you can watch it and still watch Succession Live if you'd like to. So I recommend that. Um, I also recommend Beef, which has been one of the more talked about shows of the month on Netflix with Ali Wang and Steven Yoon as uh, two people who get into a road rage incident that keeps escalating somehow with every episode. What is your problem? What? I have a very full life that I'd love to get back to. I'm gonna find you and take what little you have. Uh, and then one more show that is dropping on Netflix this week, which is called The Diplomat, that stars Carrie Russell um, as an ambassador whose husband also was an ambassador, and she's trying to deal with actual politics, the politics in her marriage. Um, I've only watched a little bit of it so far, but I love watching Carrie Russell do anything. Welcome to London, Ambassador Wilder. Tell me how. I'm the ambassador's wife. My husband was an ambassador for a long time. This will be an adjustment. You need to lean into the Cinderella thing. Not doing this the way you would. DC folks may appreciate that one. Uh, I noticed that succession has already creeped into the conversation. And as Jen <laughs> knows, uh, I, I 
thought I quit Succession because I just got sick of it. I hate the characters, and I hated that, you know, every season somebody else was set up to fail. And then the spoiler alerts came out, and so, of course, I've, I've gone back, and now I'm hooked again. Yeah, I, I'm funny you say that. I'm I'm sort of I was sort of similar. Like I'm I'm back in, baby. Uh-huh. Like I like I thought <laughs> I loved the first two seasons. Season three, like midway through, I was like, I was kind of getting a little repetitive where you know, like right, which kid's gonna take over? But then um I actually put it down for a a, a, while, a couple months and then I finally picked it up to get caught up, you know, because I knew, knew the new season was coming out. Uh-huh. Um and yeah, this season I I'm totally back on board. Especially, I mean that that episode three. I mean, is it too early to, to spoil what happened? We no. won't say it, but but People um, need to just get over themselves. Watch I, it when it happens, right. or just deal with the fact that you're going to get spoiled on this. I saw you tweeted that, Jen, and I was like, well, that that was like Easter <laughs> Sunday, it's a Sunday night, and I was like coming back from a family uh, uh, thing, and, I, and so I I admit I kind of got it spoiled. I didn't, but the, you know you know how it is. They post that screenshot of the three kids hugging all in, in black, and I was like, yeah, all right, well I kind of have an idea what's going to happen, but let's watch anyway. And even even it's to the show's credit, like I was still blown away and, and gripped, you know, like they. And is it true, Jen? They shot that in like, um, like one take. I mean, I know it's edited, but yeah, the, the I I believe that's right. Um, Matt Zollersites talked to the director of that episode, and he went into a lot of detail with him. Um, but yeah, I mean, I thought it was an extraordinary piece of television. But I think even if you know what happens, it's like I've I've watched it three times. Like, there's just so much to gain and and get out of watching the performances, and like you said, Jason, the way it's shot, the writing is just so good. I never got sick of this show. Um, and, and your succession piece made me upset, Jason. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Cause I wrote that before this season came out. And then after seeing this season, I'm like, you know what? I probably like feel completely different now because this season is I'm, I'm totally back on board. Well, it wasn't that you, it wasn't, I understand why you, you both of you may feel that it had gotten a little repetitive. Yeah. Um, even though it didn't really bother me, but, but when you were saying that it proved that movies are better, no, sir, no, <laughs> We have a fundamental disagreement on that, but you co- you cover TV, like, you know, for a living. I'm starting to, to wade more into it. Well, and the spoiler alert is what got me and I guess Jason back into it. So I'm. It was helpful. I- that you got yeah, spoiled a little bit. Well, no, I I I I got back into it before the spoiler because the spoiler episode was what episode three. So um, yeah, I I caught yeah. back up before the the pr- the premiere of this one. But also, but we got to mention there has been another episode since the big spoiler episode. Yeah, and actually, yeah. episode four was uh, as interesting as episode three. Oh yeah, yes. aftermath. And Jen, was your byline on that one underlined or crossed out? <laughs> we'll never know the answer. It'll just haunt you for the rest of your life. <laughs> I'm glad oh. I upset Jen with the piece. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to say about episode four that my wife, who is the smartest person in our room, uh, did not feel uh, the truth of the uh, sister kind of giving in the way she did. Mm. She, my, she thought Shiv would have fought harder to be included. Yes. yes. Oh, yeah. And knowing yeah. my wife, she would have. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Would, yeah. So she's sort of like an interesting, tragic character too, because you know, all this whole time, you know, she's sort of sort of pushing away Tom, and then him, him, and declining his phone calls, and now we know what those phone calls were. Tom being yeah. there at the tragic moment, yeah. um, almost she didn't get a chance to really say her goodbyes in a certain way, uh, but Tom did. So it's kind of interesting how that that played out. So Jason, I I want to bring up Barry. 
Jason and Jen, both of you, the berry has begun. And I watched both episodes Sunday night. And I'm so confused. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I mean, it is a, it is a lot it's, darker this season. You don't even get the big... Uh, we don't uh, even get the big fanfare uh, horn credits. And the, uh, why are you saying, uh, Arch, you mean just because there's like a lot more dream sequences? It's sort of like late soprano dream sequences? Is that what you, uh, you confused? Uh, Barry, I mean, you, you just have to rack your brain. Who is this again and why is... Oh, yes, I remember now. Uh, yeah. Uh, so uh, it's great fun. It is darker. We, I feel it's so funny. I feel like at the beginning of every Barry season, we're like, man, this one's really darker than the last one. And, but, it, it, but it does keep getting darker. Um, yeah. I've seen all of it except for the finale. Oh, and wow. it, it goes to some wild places. Ooh. Yeah, I feel like the first the first season or even a little season two or the uh, the first it started off more of a, a balance between comedy and drama, even almost more on the comedy. And now, yeah. like you're saying, Jen, like as we've gone on, the comedy drama quotient or ratio <laughs> has mm -hmm. shifted more towards the drama. But I mean, if you think about the subject matter they're dealing with, I mean, it kind of makes sense, you know, killing this police detective, Kusanals. Uh, so girlfriend. how can this resolve itself? I can't answer that because I'll spoil it. <laughs> yeah, Jen is already way ahead of us. On oh, ooh, I just, you know, Noho Hank is like the one remaining, oh, uh, you know, a nice hint. consistent hilarity is Noho and Crystal Ball. But I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't know where, uh, well, how, so if you can't spoil it, Jen, what can we talk about with it? Well, <laughs> no, we can talk let... about anything you want. I, yeah. I just have to be mindful that I don't say anything I shouldn't. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I think yeah. it's remarkable that Bill Hader, who is, you know, he's directed a lot of the episodes in the past, mm -hmm. but he's doing every single episode this season. We shot a scene uh, last season uh, where I, I get arrested. Like he basically is the he guy, set he, he set me up to yeah. get arrested. And uh, we're shooting it. And I'm explaining him the scene, and I'm like, this is a really big thing. You know, they're going to come in, they're going to put me in handcuffs, and you're the one, you got to give me this look and doing anything. And he goes, at what point do I tell the crew that I brought bunt cake? And he just has such a fantastic eye. Um, he loves those, those shots where there's, like, something going on in the background that is completely discordant with what's happening in the foreground. They always make me laugh. Um, I think he's doing... Yeah, the dogs. Um, there's a there's a few shots like that in this season. Uh, uh, yeah, I think he's dogs. Great. Oh god. Yeah. So, so yeah, I'm waiting to see. Do they bust him out of prison? Or do they? You know what I mean? It's. A, I'm curious to see where we go in episode. What is it? Three next week. Mm -hmm. So what I'm getting from Jen though is uh, they've got a direction. They know where they're going. They're yeah. and you know, and I think we're all anxious to uh, to go, go there with them. And props oh. to Henry Winkler doing that. What, oh, you know that God. not. I mean, great comeback story overall. But in this recent episode, when he, he does that like one man show recounting <laughs> to the journalist, he would. <laughs> that, hey, that journalist wasn't he in Mad Men? I recognize yes. him. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's been in a lot of things. He was in Lost. He was uh -huh. in Mad Men. He's been in yeah. a lot of stuff. Yeah, Barrett, I think was yeah. Speaking of that, it was funny to see uh, Stephen Root show up in Succession, and then on Barry, he just owned HBO yeah. all of Sunday. Yeah, week. yeah. So, so there you go. Uh, shall we bring up Ted Lasso? If you gotta. <laughs> are you not a fan? I've been, I've been loving it. Uh, but are, are you, are you fading on the late recent season? This season is terrible. It's terrible. Oh, oh, oh. What do you like? The the introduction of the uh, the the you know Christ like uh, soccer figure, the new player. I just, <laughs> I mean. Like, to be reasonable, you know, the show has had some flaws from the beginning, but it was so charming that, you know, you were willing to overlook them. 
the biggest one being this man should not be coaching a soccer team you know and and the fact that he doesn't even know who this major soccer player is is crazy imagine if you were like hired to, to coach an nba team and you're like who's this lebron guy everyone keeps talking about your ass would be fired immediately like everyone on the show is bad at their jobs everyone what's his With name the exception Zaba? of the Zaba. commanders <laughs> yeah, we had a thank god we have a big sale of that team so um anna waddingham can buy that team man uh, i don't know man I don't know if she should. I, Rebecca should be firing him, and she won't. <laughs> uh, Ted, you know, Ted Lasso, uh, I don't think could. Um, it's it's hard for it to maintain the uh, the appeal it had as it started. I mean, it was so nice and so uh, so good to watch. And, and we needed that at the time. Everybody yeah, was still in yeah. quarantine mode, and, like, that was... You know, I think season one was certainly its strongest season. And I would also say that Bill Lawrence was not involved this season. This is all Sudeikis. Mm, and I uh, like Jason Sudeikis a lot, but I think they needed Bill Lawrence back in the writer's room. Is that because he was off doing um, Shrinking or? Um, it Partly that and also because I think the idea eventually was for Jason to kind of like run the show. And he hadn't done that before. So he was kind of doing it with Bill Lawrence um, and also Brett Goldstein to, to kind of get his feet wet at first. So I think this was always kind of the plan, but yeah, shrinking was a big part of it too. Boy, shrinking. Everybody I know, I tell to watch shrinking. I just loved it. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, that's fine. It's, it's, uh... <laughs> that's why I love having when Jen exactly. on, she's so discerning and covers I... so many TV shows that she's seen it all and every episode that she's, she can really, you know, you're more calibrated on where you rank stuff. Where, you know what I, I mean? Well, I think shrinking is better than Ted Lasso this season. That's yeah. for sure. And well, I think Harrison Ford is amazing. I love him in it. Yeah. Is shrinking kind of in the Ted Lasso position of a couple of years ago? A little bit. I mean, I, I my thing, and, and maybe this is a criticism of Ted Lasso too, but mm -hmm. I just feel like the show so aggressively wants me to like it. It's just trying so hard to make me mm -hmm. like it. And it doesn't need to try that hard because I really love everybody who's in it. And I do enjoy watching it, but it just, it it's it's kind of a lot. And I, and I think it also is probably a better show to watch rolling out weekly. Like I watched it all, you know, in a compressed uh, period of time yeah, and it gets, yeah. I'm like, guys, everybody just calm down and get some perspective. <laughs> oh, that's a good uh, point. Cause yeah, I was like looking forward to each Friday to watch each one, you know, it's like a mm -hmm. weekly therapy mm -hmm. catharsis for everybody <laughs> when you watch it old in weekly school. installments. Yeah. yeah. I, don't, I, I like shrinking a lot. Again. Yeah. I'm interested in the atmosphere they create with music and the look and uh, the set design. And, uh, you know, there's there's just something about it that appeals beyond the stories to me. I just want to watch Harrison Ford be pissed off uh, everyone. <laughs> well, that too. His dry well, lines are just, are just gold. Sit down, Jimmy. If I sit down, I'm going to feel like I'm in trouble. You are in trouble. You know who the most important person in your life is right now? You. No, you. Your daughter. Right, that's what I meant. I'm second. Can we talk? I don't need another lecture. It's about Gabby. Oh, I was kind of looking forward to a fight. Yeah, I could tell. Like all the supporting characters, though, like the neighbors and, um, you know, mm -hmm. the guy from Married with Children get some line. Like, I don't know. I, I I don't know. I like how they flesh out sort of everybody. And you're, you're mentioning a show, Hello Tomorrow. Oh, yeah. I watched Hello what, Tomorrow. What I was a did you see that, Jen or Arch? I did not because um, one of my colleagues, Karen Van Arendonk, watched it and said it was just horrendous so i did not <laughs> yeah good, like i i mean goodbye I, yesterday I, uh, my wife my wife yeah goodbye yesterday my wife and i were really in like 
like teeing, going into it, like really excited. Uh, we we jokingly <laughs> called it. You want to watch Moon Show? <laughs> it doesn't really have any. Ends up not doing anything really with. They don't ever really get to the moon. So like I don't know. It's one of those yeah. where it almost sort of deceives the the viewer on what you think you're watching because the whole thing. Um, it's Billy Crudup, who, who's really good, by the way. I mean, he mm -hmm. he's selling these timeshares on the moon uh, and uh, to all these unsuspecting, like, naive uh, customers, door-to-door -door salesmen kind of a thing. He kind of reminds me of Jerry Lundegaard in um, Fargo, you know, yeah. like this, but used car salesman, but, but a little, with a little more charisma, um, a little dreamer's <laughs> twinkle in his eye. But, um, but yeah, but in the end, you, I mean, well, I, this isn't a spoiler. It's sort of baked in the cake of the, the setup of the show, but they're sort of duping uh, people and maybe these timeshares may not exist yet or something, you know? So by the, I don't know. So like by it's 10 episodes. And, and so by the end you're, and we're still really never have liftoff by the end. And so you're kind of like, well, why did I just sit and devote so much time to a show that I, yes. I, I the, the period design's really cool. It's got this like retro futurism where it's, you know, it's set in the future with modern technology and robots and stuff, but, but everything has sort of like throwback fifties suburban vibes to it if, in the designs of everything. Um, so, I mean, it, it's got some interesting atmospherics. I just thought this, the, the writing um, was kind of, kind of deceptive of what we were watching. That was uh, that was my colleague's problem too. Is like the premise sounds so great, and she's like, "I watched it all, and nothing happened." <laughs> <laughs> and it's weird though. Like I kept hitting play on the episode, so it wasn't it wasn't like, "Oh my gosh, I can't paint, paint dry, I can't get through it." It wasn't yeah. that so much. Like I kept wanting to finish it and see how it finished, but when it did finish, I was like, "Why did we watch that?" <laughs> right, <laughs> one of those. Well, by the way, I want to put in a plug for Perry Mason. Mm. which I am very much enjoying in its second season with Matthew, Matthew Reese, Carrie Russell's husband. And uh, uh, I like the atmosphere. I like the, I suppose it's the original um, thought of Perry Mason. I, I like learning that and unlearning uh, Raymond Burr and all the other stuff. Uh, and I'm enjoying. And of course, it's, it, you know, it's another lift from um, uh, California history. Uh, they're stealing oil instead of water, or maybe I shouldn't say that, but I'm enjoying that. Any any thoughts on uh, Perry Mason? Um, you know, I liked the first season, but I think the second season is better and more focused. Mm -hmm. um, I still have to catch up on some episodes, but what I've seen so far, I really like. And again, the same thing I said about Carrie Russell is true about Matthew Reese. I will watch Matthew Reese yeah. do just about anything. So uh, The plot's a little convoluted and a little hard to follow. But everything is hard for me to follow. <laughs> You're going to love Mrs. Davis. <laughs> so, so there you are. But I think it's about to wrap up, and I'm really enjoying that. Uh, any thoughts on the movies? Anybody been to a movie lately? Um, I saw Renfield last week, which yeah. I wanted to like more than I did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wish it had focused more on the relationship between Renfield and Dracula, who was played by Nicolas Cage. I needed more yeah. Nicolas Cage in the film, <laughs> but it That's... was fun. It was fun. And God bless it for being 90 minutes. Love well, that. There is <laughs> Isn't that. the guy from Warm Bodies in it? it yeah, Nicholas Holt, who's great yeah. also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're both very good. There's a lot of blood. Um, it's all very cartoonish blood, but there's a lot of blood. It's very silly, but it's kind of fun. Um, I uh, saw Air with oh, yeah, um, too. with Matt Damon and Ben Affleck and really liked it. You ask me what I do here, this is what I do. I find you players and I feel it this time. Okay, it's risky. When you were selling sneakers out of the back of your Plymouth, that was risky. Don't change that now. For a rookie yes. who's never set foot on an NBA court. 
That's the literal definition of rookie. Yeah. I thought like uh, Moneyball, it's just a great uh, sports business story, really told well. And and the secret sauce in air to me is Viola Davis as the mother of Michael Jordan. Every time she shows up, she uh, she takes over. She's she's the heart and soul of the movie. And uh, I just found it really uh, uh, a joy to watch. Mm-hmm. I think when when Damon and Affleck get together, the product is awfully good. And I think when Viola Davis makes a movie, it's always good. Yeah, I mean, you can argue that it's basically a commercial for Nike, which it kind of is. Yeah, but um, but it's very very entertaining, and and I agree. I I I'm a sucker for Matt and Ben, and I do like watching mm-hmm. them together, especially mm-hmm. in this movie. Oh yeah, a huge Goodwill Hunting fan over here, and and and. Ben Affleck's been one of those people that, you know, it, it, you almost have to like try to table the tabloid stuff and who he's dating and his depression right. and yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. If you can like no, put that no, aside no, when you, he you makes a move. No, that, never put that <laughs> aside. You can't put that. You love, you love uh, that that's... All the memes of Ben, I love them. <laughs> well, and Matt is Damon like, is like the anti-Ben. You know, right. so it's 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 uh, well tabloid wise, yes. What I'm it's trying true. to say is, when he makes a movie, I mean, I even like the tender bar. I kind of like, but when he didn't direct that, but when you know, when he directs a movie, Argo or whatever, like I, I, he, I, I think he's a skilled, skilled filmmaker. Um, I, agree. I have not seen Air yet. I'm really excited to see Air. I love that is in my wheelhouse of like a Jerry Maguire money ball. Like I love the the sports uh, business stuff. Yeah, I mean, it kind of reminded me of Jerry Maguire, but without the love story part. (laughs) Nice thing about Air is it's that mid-level movie that we uh, all seem to love and that is more and more endangered these Mm -hmm. days. Are you thinking top 10 of the year list yet, Arch? If you're starting to formulate it, uh, maybe put it on there and see what else comes out. Yeah, yeah, I think it's got a place. Uh, I would agree I, with that too. I, yeah. Oh, I'm so yeah. excited. Yeah, I like the Adam Sandler hustle last year too. I thought that was underrated. So if if this is like a, about as good as that or probably even better, I'm I'm in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh saw The Lost King with Sally Hawkins as the woman who uh insists that the bones of Richard the Third are uh, under the asphalt in a parking lot, and she's right, <laughs> and it's a real story. And she communes with the real Richard the Third during the uh the story and it's it's a great a nice bit of whimsy uh that uh, uh that just makes it uh fun and light mm-hmm. uh, i haven't seen it, it. I, it's 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 delight and you know again it's sally hawkins even that thing with the creature from the black lagoon <laughs> you mean the oscar-winning <laughs> film the shape yeah. of water <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah that one <laughs> <laughs> Even that <laughs> sounds <laughs> <it's> made watchable. <laughs> you know, Oscar winning. Oscar winning is not what it used to be. Hey, I know. Come I, on. <laughs> Let's not speak this way of Guillermo del Toro, please. <laughs> Wasn't she in Phantom of the Open too last year? I really like that. She was, which is. I saw Phantom of the Open is uh, rated as the number one golf movie ever, and I I uh, agree. I don't even That's, remember that coming out. It was delightful. I, Arch, that is that is literally just me trying to tee up your hole in one plug right <laughs> no, there. No, that was me no, trying to give you a moment. We're, <laughs> nah, we're, 
that's different part of my life. But Jen, I'm, you didn't see Phantom of the Open? It's amazing. I literally didn't even know it existed until. Oh, just it's a so second. good. Mark Ryland. Mark Ryland <laughs> is Mark playing Ryland. this uh, golf. True story of what was his name? Maurice Splitcroft. Is that right, Ark? I, I, I can't he, remember. He like, had the, the guy's worst name. round ever at the. I didn't even. Was it the British Open? I think. He faked his way into the British Open and continued to do so for years. He was like um, Edie Myers, who used to show up at the beginning of the Oscars and was the last person to go through the uh, the, the the red carpet uh, before the show began. She would just fake her way in. He faked his way into the British <laughs> Open and shot, uh, you know, 115 and and became kind of a running gag uh and it's it's a delightful story but rylance plays it straight like he's so he thinks he's really a really good golfer if i may i should put that on my top 10 list last year dang it i forgot to put that but it's so good anyway back to new movies tetris i saw tetris (laughs) i saw tetris as well yeah uh, did it? you like it? I like. I, I was surprised. I was surprised how gripping uh, a video game behind the scenes. All these scenes in you know, um, you know, Russian uh, boardroom meetings and how that could be so interesting. Like, and the fact that this little video game may have helped the U.S. win the Cold War. Like, I didn't. I didn't see uh, my interest in this movie coming, but it kind of, kind of caught me by surprise. It's a combination of Tetra, Greek for four, and tennis. Tennis. The Russian inventor. He likes tennis. Hazel. Yeah. This game isn't just addictive, it stays with you. This is a once in a lifetime opportunity. I know they probably embellish certain things for yeah. you know dramatic purposes, but I, I didn't know any of that backstory behind Tetris mm-hmm. at all. So I thought it was really, really interesting. And I thought Taron Egerton was great in the lead role. Yeah, but you know is what it... I didn't like was paint. Did you see the Owen Wilson one? I didn't, but I saw a lot of negative reviews and uh <laughs> i i went to see renfield instead oh there you go it's the bob ross thing and i i admit it might have been a victim of my own expectations but i was like a huge bob ross fan growing up and uh and and so i thought it was maybe going to be like sort of a more of a straight biopic of his story or at least more reverential and it is it is just this made-up character that owen wilson plays and it's it's just he's so unlikable in the movie and like a womanizer in this van and it just kind of i don't know the whole thing is just kind of dry and doesn't really go anywhere i I would not recommend paint but i would recommend tetris so watching the paint dry. <laughs> well, that's like the low-hanging fruit. Uh, yeah, uh, when, yeah. when, you, when, you're, when you're putting out the title of a movie, do you think they, like, forecast ahead? Like, man, should I call this paint? Because you know Craig's going to think paint dry. Yeah. You know, do you think they factor that in? I guess not. Okay. Well, speaking of paint, and we weren't, uh, I think it's time to check in with our enabler, Lou Katz, at Hound Radio. Hound is having an anniversary, right? We are. Inter- we are turning five years old, which is, what, 35 in dog years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And thanks in part to all your help, too, Arch, for keeping uh, the hound humming and barking out. And speaking of dogs, I know that uh, Jen, you, and uh, Jason both have dogs. I've got an interesting report from our World of Dogs series. Check this out. Hound Radio's leash-leading canine expert, Faith Lapidus, is back with another look into the wonderful world of dogs. A manicured green lawn is lovely to look at. But if it's the result of pesticide and herbicide applications, it's not so lovely for your dog's health and his risk of cancer. Studies have found that dogs whose owners use the herbicide 2,4-D were up to four times more likely to develop lymphoma. Ongoing studies have found evidence of weed killer in a lot of dogs, whether they have cancer or not. 
Safe application guidelines warn people and pets to stay off freshly treated lawns for a few hours. But researchers have found that herbicides persist for at least 48 hours after application and may drift into the air and settle on other surfaces. While it's hard to measure the long-term cumulative effects of herbicide exposure, knowing that there's a risk to your best friend's health may prompt you to reconsider your lawn care and decide it's better to be safe than sorry. I'm Faith Lapidus for Hound Radio. I'd like to shout out to my sister who is in the dog business. She uh, babysits your dog for vast amounts of money, uh, <laughs> uh, but not until she interviews the dog first. She won't take just anybody. So if you're in San Antonio and you need to park your dog somewhere, call my sister. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we've got a lot of things out of the way. Uh, what should, anything else we need to discuss? Need to discuss? Um, <laughs> well, probably a lot of things, but uh, are, are we looking for weekend recommendations? Well, certainly we can do that. Uh, because one more I want to I want to mention I can't remember if I've mentioned it on here before is uh, the most recent season of Party Down. Um, I don't know if you guys remember the show Party Down. It was on Stars for two seasons. It's about cater waiters in L.A., most of whom are aspiring actors and have no interest in actually being good at their jobs. Mm. It it had a, an amazing lineup of great comedic actors: Adam Scott, um, Ken Marino. Uh, who am I forgetting? Uh, Megan Mullally, uh, just great, great actors. And anyway, they finally brought it back. It came back this season for six episodes, and it's so good. I think it might even be better than it was originally. Something happens. Ken Marino is so good in this show, and he's so funny in the fifth episode. I have watched something he does in that episode like 15 times and cry laughing every <laughs> single time. So if you haven't watched that and you need you know, a mood boost, I recommend Party Down very heartily. And don't we all need a mood boost? <laughs> I'm really interested in The Diplomat because of your description, Jen, on Netflix. And I'm going to start watching that. I'm, I'm looking for that. I'm, it sounds like uh, something good for Carrie Russell. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Um, um, I guess if I'm going to do a recommendation, I would say, um, I mean, we've been talking a lot, of, a lot about the shows that are, we're saying goodbye to, like Succession and Ted Lasso and Barry. Like, obviously, I guess throw Mrs. Maisel into that, too. All these shows are wrapping up. Sort of feels like an end of an era in a way. Um, but in terms of, like, a new show, I just we just started watching um, something called The Power on Amazon Prime. Have you watched that yet, Jen? I've watched a little bit of it, yeah, and I read the novel as well. Right. It was it was a really hit novel. Uh, my wife read it, too. Um, So she was really, you know, uh, excited to watch it. And so I've been watching it with and um, I'm, I'm really into it so far. But I want to see where it goes. Uh, Arch, it's about um, uh, one day. I, I guess it's sort of set in the near future, I guess. Um, But um, it's about uh, one day uh, a bunch of women across uh, young girls across the world start getting a, a superpower They're they're it's like an electricity um, that can emanate out of their hands, and but I like that they they science it up. It's you know it, they make mm -hmm. something like an organ in the body, right? It's like a part of evolution and evolutionary growth that's needed. But it's not just like a regular superhero thing. It's it's I think it's gonna go into um sort of like a um like a social commentary on you know now that now that a bunch of young girls have the power, it's gonna upend the the patriarchal society. And I'm not really sure where where it's going, but my wife, uh, at least from the book, seems to say that you know that that sometimes the absolute power can corrupt absolutely as well. So I, oh, um, yeah. that's wow. sort of a teaser, but I, um, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm into it so far. What about you, Jen? I only watched a little bit of it and I was intrigued, but I, I, the only reason I haven't gone back is because I'm watching 8 million other things. But yeah. um, 
but yeah, I think it's I think it's an interesting premise, and I did like the book. Uh, I wanted to mention one other thing that I picked up on when I went to see Air, and that is I watched the previews, and I saw about four knockoffs of everything, everywhere, all at once. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Should I be surprised? No. <laughs> nope. <laughs> well, that fell. I'm well I'm kind of I I um I I admire the mo the movie's ambition and everything, but um and but I I think we should just like let that be and let it be its uh -oh. own thing. I I I really I worry about veering too far into multiverse stuff. Although I know I know Spider Verse stuff existed before that, but um yeah I don't know I I miss but this kind of gets back to our conversation earlier. I miss a good self-contained story. Uh -huh. You know everything's yeah. becoming so episodic. So uh, in that vein, I'm going to recommend Air for this weekend. Go to a movie, see Air. It's Matt Damon and Ben Affleck and Viola Davis, and they make great movies. And they made a movie about Michael Jordan and managed never to show him. <laughs> <laughs> and more well, powerful that way, right? They do show him in clips of him. They don't show the yes. actor who plays Michael Jordan no. at any point, which so, I actually feel like was a smart decision. Absolutely. You see footage of the actual hot basketball highlights of the yes. greatest of all time. Sorry, LeBron. So uh, what a great uh, opportunity to talk to the two of you. Uh, Jason Fraley from WTOP. And uh, you've got George Stevens Jr. on your podcast, Beyond the Fame, and Jen Cheney of Vulture and New York Magazine, and now the podcast Basic, which is attracting, uh, attracting uh, big names from everywhere. And, and I'm not surprised because I've thoroughly enjoyed listening to it myself. Thank you so much. I appreciate that, Art. Well, and, and so uh, does so John Mulaney, apparently. He loves apparently. it. <laughs> I, I particularly love the John Slattery interview you did. So best wishes with that. And uh, thank you all for listening. And we shall be back next week. And uh, until then, uh, be well. This is the Cats Podcasting System, where it's not just a podcast, but a podcast.